So let's move on now to fulfill your part of the agreement. Um, and I, you'll see this fun slide that's up right here on uh, dehydrated water. And I love that. I, I had someone give this to me years ago uh, as a reminder that um, in the software industry, we call it vaporware, um, that, that we're not trying to sell something that really isn't there. Okay. And it's, it's fun that, you know, a few people who see it still sitting in my office today, uh, look at it, kind of look at me and then kind of realize, oh, wait, dehydrated water. It's really, there's nothing in it. There's nothing in it. And that is just a joke. But, but too often I feel that sometimes when we start to go through this process, when it comes to our time to fulfill our part of the agreement, that we get stuck sometimes in this vaporware or this dehydrated water principle where, where we overcommit. Okay. And so, um, it's, you gotta be careful that you, you have to commit to what you say you're going to do. Okay. Don't, don't try to close the cell knowing that on the backside, you're not going to fulfill it. And let me, I'm going to share uh, an experience I had, uh, just recently in the last couple of years, um, with, uh, you know, a number of products I was buying with, with a company and, 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 you know, given COVID and everything and everything that was going on there, we knew that there was, you know, shortage in some things, uh, getting product was a little bit harder to get it. Um, but as I placed this order, you know, it was the order was, Hey, you know, what am I going to look into to get this? And they're like, look right now it's, it's really about, uh, four weeks. And I'm thinking, well, all right, you know, if I can get it here in four weeks, even though I could get it outside of the area in two to three, an extra week is not a big deal. It really isn't. Um, so went through with the purchase, uh, started moving forward uh, three to four weeks, still waiting for that phone call, no phone call, five weeks, okay, not too, not too concerned, it's six weeks, still haven't heard anything, start making some calls, hey, what's the status, what's the update, um, kind of get a story, in the meantime, I didn't realize, um, because of the conversation I was having with my wife, she made a similar phone call, talked to someone else in the company, um, and we start talking is because I'm like, oh yeah, here's my update. She goes, well, I did the same thing. Here was my, what they told me, two different stories. Now all of a sudden we're kind of staring at each other like, wait a minute, what's really the truth? Um, you know, another week goes by. So now we're pressing, you know, seven, eight weeks. Um, uh, you know, and it just became really, really frustrating because it, it felt as if, um, they just kind of told us what they wanted us to hear to make sure that we did the sell, knowing that maybe they couldn't fulfill it or maybe someone forgot to place an order. I don't know what, you know, I don't know the whole truth of the backstory on it. But but that's what we're talking about when we talk about fulfill your part of the agreement, okay? Don't, don't tell someone it's four weeks if you really know it's six weeks, okay? Don't tell someone it's four weeks, um, you know. Uh, well, if you can get it in three and you tell them four, and then it comes in early and you do it. So, um, yeah, so be very careful when you, when it comes to fulfilling your part of the agreement, make sure you understand your backside internal operations and what you can and can't do so that you do not overcommit. And I think I want to, uh, delve into a couple more examples here, cause this really is a critical piece. And all too often we feel like we're actually doing a good job of fulfilling our end of the agreement. I, I've consulted a lot of businesses that are like, oh yeah, you know, I, I take care of my customers. I make sure that things are taken care of. And then if I ever have the opportunity to get the customer's perspective, there's like, well, I don't know. I felt like they gave me the runaround, you know, they, they, they were coming up with excuses and 
this really kind of gets into integrity. So, you know, with your example, I think that was a really interesting example of, you know, so here you are, you're trying to work with a company. You had other options. You could have, you know, used other options. You decided to go with this company and when you went with them, things started falling apart. Now, this happens, you know, things fall apart. It's not that things, you know, for customer engagement, we don't need to make sure that everything is always perfect. We do our best, but we don't need to make sure that things are always perfect. But when things start to fall apart, what is our attitude? What is our response? The, the really interesting thing that you brought up is that you and your wife were given different scenarios. You were told different explanations as to why the delay, which all of a sudden the credibility is just gone, just out the window, yeah. you know. And I, I, I had kind of a, a similar uh, scenario where I needed to get some work done on, uh, on one of my vehicles. And I took it to, it was one of these uh, national chains, very, you know, very well-known place. And we were just supposed to get some real basic, I, I think it was like an alignment or something. It was a, it was a pretty standard, you know, standard thing that we were going to get done. So all of a sudden I go, I pick up my vehicle, I'm driving it home. It sounds off. Like <laughs> it is making some really <laughs> bad noise. And I, you know, I'm like, this is not right. So we call them up. We said, hey, you know, we took this in, uh, you know, and the first thing they said is they're like, oh, yeah, well, that, you know, th those things just happen. And I'm like, no, they don't just, it was, it was doing fine. We took it in for an alignment. And now you're telling me that there's, you know, that this, this problem with the undercarriage. I'm like, hmm. It doesn't seem right. So they would not budge, not budge, not budge, not budge, right? So then we, uh, we took it to another place and said, would you look at what's going on? And the other place said, well, um, it actually, you can see where it slipped off the, you know, they have the lift. And they're like, it slipped off the lift and that's what caused the damage. And they're not telling you that it slipped off the lift. And I'm like, oh, I see. And it was one of those things where the excuses started to come in. And this is what I want to talk about with fulfill your end of the agreement is, can you take things head on? Can you admit when you make a mistake? Can you admit when things go wrong? Or do you take the human nature aspect of starting to make excuses? And that, you know, that that's kind of how this section really boils down to, to me in my mind is, Am I, am I willing to own up to the good and the bad and take, you know, take those risks, make those tough choices? Uh, or am I trying to come up with excuses? Am I trying to skirt around the issue? Now, Ethan, you always like to bring in uh, one, one of the people in history that you're uh, pretty passionate about is Julius Caesar and uh, some, of the, some of the things that he had done. And you like to bring in a story of where he actually committed his army. And I think it, it really illustrates what we're talking about here in business is how committed are you in your business? And do the people that you serve, your customers, do they, do they understand that level of commitment? Would you kind of throw that in there and you know, let's talk about this? Yeah, so I'm, I'm a huge fan of uh, Julius Caesar as I've studied him over the years. And, and the story that I love the most is uh, over his career uh, as a military individual, he gave back to 
um, everyone that was underneath him. He didn't, he didn't just hoard when they would go out and conquer. He didn't just hoard it. He didn't, he didn't do that. He was the first one to lead his troops in the battle. I mean, he was very supportive of everything they did. And hence the flip side of that is they became fiercely loyal to him. So when you study history, you'll, you'll see that uh, Julius Caesar is coming back from a military campaign. They get to the river Rubicon. And, and at that point in time, uh, he was not happy with some of the decisions that were happening um, down in, in Rome and with the political structure because uh, at that time, the political structure basically meant that uh, only those who were of noble birth could have held seats in the Senate and other political positions. And he had always felt that anyone could earn or establish themselves and move to the ranks so that uh, they could have political positions and hence show... Um, uh, equality amongst everyone else, that you weren't just stuck in a class, that you could move amongst the classes. And he preached that to his soldiers, and that's uh, also one of the reasons why they became fiercely loyal, because he didn't demean him, look down to him, or anything like that. He he just uh, found every way he could to boister them and build them up. So they're, now they're at the River Rubicon. By, by Roman law, he was supposed to disband his army to go back to uh, tell their homes and villages and et cetera, and resume their farming life or whatever else they had going on. And, uh, uh, so he's standing there, uh, debating this whole thing. And, uh, one of his top, uh, uh, commanders, uh, you know, as part of this discussion looks at him, walks into the, uh, river Rubicon and says, let's go, let's go. And that's when Julius Caesar says the die is cast. He says, great, let's go it. And he's looked back at his men. They, w- they were the first ones to start heading across the river. Okay, They understood uh, the value of this, but, but they were also fiercely loyal because they knew that he would take care of them regardless. Um, and then the rest of the story is written in history and, you know, on how he chases out Pompeii and changes the whole political system. And eventually he's... Uh, there's a strong argument to be made that uh, he was murdered by the elitist class because they didn't like the fact that he promoted heavily that um, you could move amongst the classes. So, um, But the true irony of all of this is as much as they hated him, everyone after that wanted to be known as Caesar, Caesar Augustus, and so forth and so on. Caesar became a title for their leaders uh, to tell you how important that figure was in history. So... I learned from that 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 Julius Caesar said uh, and did what he said he was going to do, okay? And because of it, he could be completely trusted. Um, There's other stories about when he was uh, in the the naval on a ship and some things that happened. And so, I mean, just some great stories where he literally, when he said, this is what's going to happen, he lived up to it. And and that's what we find is, um, uh, at least in the... um, United States that that we grew up with what we call common law and common law said that that we do business by a handshake and by word okay that's how it was established forever and ever and ever and ever and so even though now today you sign a contract on a lot of things our frustration comes in that the contract is for us inherently because of common law uh, is second nature that you still better live up to what you say you're going to do okay uh, whether that be a handshake or verbally that comes out of your mouth, regardless of what what this contract may say. And so that's how we tend to do business um, in the United States inherently that, that we expect them to live up to those obligations um, 
that that are verbal and by a handshake and not be so structured by these contracts. Now, I'm not going to try to demean contracts, but that's the mentality that we deal with. So you need to understand that, that when we talk about fulfill your part of an agreement, there's this inherent, uh, see, which means we, you know, here's the word. If you look at the, remember from beginning inherent ideas and inventive, inherently it's the base, it's the standard in which we operate business. And so a lot of times that's where when we talk about customer engagement and, and this greater good that I am going to live up to what I'm going to do, I am going to make things right if they go wrong, that jumps into the ideas and the innovation because um, too often we get stuck in that inherent as you move through it. So so just to remember that, that uh, fulfilling your part of the agreement is a very, very important piece. And if a glitch happens like Ryan had brought up, um, are you going to be the type of business that's going to make it right? Are you going to be the type of business that's going to make excuses knowing that uh, whether you like it or not, it is going to cost you customers and probably many customers into the future? So really good summary. Let's put that into practice and pull up your exercise here. Now, as you were talking, remember, we've got the inherent, the ideas and the innovative that uh, the first step in the worksheet is to inherently write down every promise that you make that is printed or posted or stated in any of your marketing materials, in any of your mission statements, you know, things that are on the wall. Remember when you walk into a business and you look around and you see that they say, oh, every customer is greeted with a handshake and a smile. And you're like, I've been waiting here 15 minutes and (laughs) no one has actually come up to me. Like, Look at what you are promoting, okay? That's the inherent portion of this, is if you are already promoting it, then you are telling people, this is what I do. So start by jotting down all of your inherent promises. Then get into this idea section. And this is great. Uh, th- this is a really good team exercise. You know, So if you want to kind of get the, the team of your company together and just start asking people, say, what exactly do we promise our customers? You know, what, what, what are the agreements, the, the written, the non-written, the implied, you know, the, like, what are the agreement, uh, agreements that we actually make with, with our, our customers? And then start asking and say, how well do we fulfill on those agreements? I uh, was working with a company and they were getting ready to do a big product launch. And they brought me in and they're asking about, uh, you know, how they should go about doing the marketing for the, the this product launch. And, you know, and I said, okay, well, what's, you know, what's the series of launches? Like, are you launching everything at once? And it's like, no, it's a rollout. So, you know, we've got, we've got several things that are going to roll out over the course of several months. And, uh, you know, the one guy who was kind of leading up this, uh, this cohort that they were trying to figure out the marketing on this, uh, you know, he stated, he's like, why don't we just, you know, put dates out there, commit ourselves to it and make sure that, that, you know, the customer is excited. And then it was super interesting because uh, another person immediately shot back and said, we're so bad at reaching any of our own deadlines. And right mm-hmm. there, when the when you know internally they understood that they couldn't fulfill their end of the agreement and so you know as a consultant what i advised them is i said look you guys already know the answer 
The answer is that you should not overstate or overpromise on this launch. As much as you want to, you really should not overstate or overpromise. You need to fulfill your end of the agreement. And so I want you to look at what do you guys in your company, what do you imply or openly state that you're going to do and then ask yourself, you know, how good are you at fulfilling your end of the agreement? And then there's the challenge portion of the exercise that says, okay, challenge yourself to, you know, better fulfill your agreements. Whether that means that you, uh, you know, uh, underpromise and overdeliver instead of the other way around, which happens all too often. Uh, whether you pick a couple aspects of your business and say, all right, we need to do better at fulfilling this. If, if we say that we ship within 72 hours, uh, how many times do we ship that's outside of that 72-hour promise? And we just try and pretend like, oh, well, it was because it was a weekend or, you know, like, no. If we say 72 hours, we need to ship within 72 hours or, you know, whatever the case may be. So look at those areas in your business where you are not fulfilling your agreement and identify a couple and just start, start doing it, you know, start improving that, making sure that you're actually completing what you say you're going to do.